Irish Illustrated Insider is sponsored by VisitSouthBend.com. Is it time to check a Notre Dame home game off your bucket list? Has it been too long since you've soaked in the game day atmosphere in person? Whether it's for the first time ever or in a while, start planning your trip to South Bend to watch the Fighting Irish with ideas and inspiration at VisitSouthBend.com. Welcome back to another edition of Irish Illustrated Insider. It's Monday, September 18th, and Notre Dame manhandled well, at least on the scoreboard, and statistically, Central Michigan over the weekend. Everybody's thinking about Northern Ohio State under the lights this weekend, but to wrap things up with Central Michigan and go over some of the details, I'm Tim Priester with Tim O'Malley from Irish Illustrated. Tim, we just met with Marcus Freeman, spoke a little bit to Sam Hartman as well, which is uncommon on a Monday, but he was a little banged up uh, after the game, and so this was the first opportunity we had to talk to him. But look, Notre Dame Central Michigan wasn't perfect, but at the end of the day, Notre Dame outgained them by 310 yards and won by another 24 points, and they're hammering every opponent they've played up to this point. Yeah, I think people, you if you watch that game back, you have a different view of it. Uh, watching it live, you definitely thought, well, there was a couple drives there where Notre Dame's tackling isn't good on the first drive. Um, it looked like a crisp, it looked like a crisp power five drive coming down at Notre Dame for their first touchdown, Central Michigan. And then they kind of give one away at the end with uh, you know, it, it's it's something I want to ask Golden about, although he'll he won't like it, I don't think. I was surprised Notre Dame's up 21-7, and they went to Christian Gray and Jaden Mickey and Antonio Carter. I know they have a lot of faith in all their players, but that was the beginning of that drive that actually made it close at the half, 21-14. The Mickey pass interference calls tough, but anytime you trip when you're chasing a guy, I mean yeah. that, that's what happens. Um so, yeah, the, there was two drives where Notre Dame's defense did not play very well. The second half, uh, this is going to Monday Musings, they held them to 0. 0.6 yards rushing per 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 rush. Uh, and Central Michigan had the ball for 28 minutes and gained 55 yards, so that is just under two yards a minute that they had. I think the Irish defense uh, succeeded in adjusting to what they saw. Notre Dame fans definitely expect perfection when they play the likes of Central and TSU and Navy. You're just not going to get it. Um, not the cleanest game Notre Dame will play. That's the problem I have is eight more penalties. A couple of them dumb. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if I have a problem with eight penalties, Tim. I have a problem with 18 penalties in two games. Is that make, yeah. Is more fair? No, yeah, no, I would agree with that. And I mean, they didn't tackle well and they had too many penalties. We realize that. It doesn't mean that they're now a poor tackling team. They didn't tackle poorly at NC State the week before. I think it was more getting caught between big games. But look, I don't want to make excuses. It is what it is. Notre Dame ultimately did what they had to do. Um, you know, I mean, I, I I think there might have been, when you talk about the the substitutions, there might have been a few too many too early. Yeah, they look at it. started feeling it on that 21-7 lead, and it was, I mean, Notre Dame did go touchdown, touchdown, touchdown. I am sure Jared Parker and Marcus Freeman thought it was also going to go touchdown, touchdown, touchdown right after that, and it did yeah. not. It, it, it stalled a little bit after that. Yeah, I, you know, uh, I, I, the offensive line, I thought there were times where they they weren't very good in evaluating it. You can read it in the tail of the tape, although I had to put an addendum on the message board because I don't think I did a great job of explaining what I saw watching the TV version. But you did see, we talked about their line, but they did run blitz a lot. And so Notre Dame, they were outnumbered at times, which I think, uh, you know, speaks to the number of stuffs that you referred to, Tim. Mm-hmm. But yep. The flip side of that is that Sam Hartman can throw the football down the field and he averaged 20 yards per completion. That was that was the, the gamble that I think Central Michigan took was we're going to do things to try to slow your run game down. And if you want to try to beat us downfield, go ahead. And Notre Dame did. And, and really, it's pretty smart because you you don't at the up to this point, you don't think the Notre Dame is necessarily going to beat you with the deep ball. Notre Dame did. Um you know, I'd kind of like to wrap a bowl around this and, and, you know, wrap up central Michigan, because I, I think the, I think the perception of what happened Saturday is skewed and everybody's looking to Ohio state now anyway. Yeah. Well, I think, I think the rough thing about college football is every game performance is measured against the next great team you're going to play instead of just the game you're watching. Uh, you don't see that much in college basketball. You know, you don't sit there and see Notre Dame. If Notre Dame could go out and beat, Iowa, you don't think, well, that's not good enough to be Duke. I mean, that's just not really how it goes when you watch that sport. I get it for college football. Um, 
so the rushing issue, and there's a question on this. I don't want to walk all over it. Notre Dame is going to have a lot more chunk gains and a, and more run stuffs and a little lower rush efficiency because of the way teams are playing the running game, I think, which is fine. You're just going to have to do that. Now, well, here's here's the caveat. Well, they, can they get chunk gains against Ohio State? Yes, if they break through the line when the, everything works and there's someone misses a fit, Audric Estime has proven he can rip off chunk gains, and I think Notre Dame's other backs will too. Are they blocking perfectly to the point where you think, 55% rush efficiency against Central Michigan. Is that good enough? I, I'd go ahead and argue no, it's not. You you should probably be better than that against Central Michigan. But if you have that many rushing yards, you ultimately did absolutely did your job on the ground. Yeah. Now, the, the passing efficiency was off the chart. And, right. that, and that's my right. whole point that, you know, and we and we do we do previews and we talk. I know I talked about the, the Central Michigan running backs last Thursday. They're good. They're hard to bring down. Bailey's 225. Luke or Lucas, I'm not sure how I pronounce his name, was their starter last year, and I think is pretty good. Uh, and Notre Dame didn't tackle well. I mean, that, but that yep. doesn't mean that Notre Dame's a poor tackling team. I don't think that they are. Obviously, it will be emphasized in a in a, a not real uh physical way during the week this week, but um yeah, that's an inch. How about that conversation? That was interesting. Yeah, well, well, I, what you can't he tackle, said we can't the tackle he, during the week. Did he mean it all? This was Marcus, a uh, Marcus Freeman today. Comment. I don't know if he misspoke or, or I, uh, of course, they tackle during the week. They would, they would tackle on Tuesdays, right? I know you're not tackling yeah. Thursday. Yeah. Um, well, and you're they, not tack, you know what? You're not tackling Audrick Estimator in the week, maybe. So you're tackling Chase Ketter, and that's not the same situation that yeah, you're looking you at. Hope, yeah, you and you hope that. I, I wrote this in Thursday, uh, or not Thursday thoughts, but in uh, Tale of Tape that you kind of wish you didn't have to run estimate twenty times the week before Ohio State. But I think probably didn't have I, I to. Did. It's just well, we probably you know. didn't have to. But the the other running backs, their numbers combined weren't very good. And I, you know, when it's twenty one fourteen at halftime, you're not thinking about how many that, carries Devin Ford gets. Yeah, that's why I brought up the timing of the gray Carter and Mickey all at the same time situation. Yeah, I looked and a Sneed, Sneed was in as well. That is a function of losing Bertrand though. It's not like you had a ton of options. You had to have Sneed, Sneed but Sneed was in for Harper. You could have stayed nickel because Thomas Harper is a better football player than Jalen Sneed right now. That, that would, I think you just had four guys, not as good as four other guys on maybe what became the most important drive. I suppose if you're Notre Dame's coaches, you do not look like that as the most important drive of the game. The 21 seven with seven minutes left in the second quarter. I, I get it. All right. We're going to, we're done with central Michigan. Now we're moving on Notre Dame, Ohio state. And the mo most pertinent news right now is JD Bertrand will be back coming from concussion. Mitchell Evans tight end is expected back. Although he's also with concussion, but a little bit behind Bertrand, DJ Brown is back. I anticipated that because I figured that he, he just tweaked his hamstring, and that was a precautionary thing last week. Uh, on instant analysis, I jumped the gun with Gabe Rubio. He will start practicing on Tuesday, so I'm not exactly sure how much they will have of him. Uh, and Marcus Freeman was asked about Eli Raritan, and Raritan's not ready to go. But the main thing is that Bertrand, Evans, and Brown will be back. Those are the guys that you need. Your defense will be set the way you want it to be. Right. That's another thing. If I could just bring up Central Michigan again, that, <laughs> that you know it wasn't it you know it wasn't their ideal ideal defensive lineman, and they were emotionally caught. Nobody tries, nobody tries to tend to the emotional well being of his team more than Marcus Freeman, and he couldn't have them at at peak emotion last week. You can't. Uh, it's, we said it all week. We said it all week, all week long. There was a human nature game. You're not going to cover every game. You're not going to yeah. beat your peak. You can't be. Right, but we're not talking about that game anymore, are we? We're talking Never. about Notre Dame. Never Ohio again, State. of course. And and frankly, I have spent last night. I spent probably I spent a lot of time looking at uh, the three Ohio State games, and they have issues too, man. Believe it or not, they have issues too. They're confident that Kyle McCord is their starting quarterback now, but there's a lot of film out there that doesn't that doesn't indicate that they would have confidence in him. I I see I see great. Uh, great Ohio State receivers in Marvin Harrison and Emeka Buka, who are who have that look like, why isn't our quarterback getting us the football where we want it? He has struggled a little bit, Kyle McCord. Devin Brown has filled in, and quite frankly, he's going to be very, very dynamic. 
wearing the number 33, by the way. So if you see a guy wearing 33, it's not Wildcat. It is their backup, their backup quarterback. But Ohio State has some like that. Too. They're like not that. they're not sacking the quarterback. I said Nordame had five sacks in four games. It's actually six. Ohio State has five in three games. So if you're worried about Nordame's pass rush, Ohio State's hasn't been very sharp yet either. But that <laughs> that, however, there's some real talent on that defensive line for Ohio State. Yeah, it's it is early for the stats on Ohio State to go through there. The, the number one thing you touched on is and I mentioned this in the summer and I think it still applies, especially week four for Ohio State. The difference in the game last year is that CJ Stroud existed on one side. I Notre Dame even held him in check, but he was a magician when he needed to be. He was yep, absolutely was. fantastic in the last 16 minutes of that game. Um, and actually, I was when you look back at that game. Holding him to 21 points, it's almost, uh, it's not a mirage. I don't want to use that, but Ohio State ran 17 times on first down, and they ha- they were efficient on that run 16 times against Notre Dame last year. If that repeats, Notre Dame will lose. You can't keep that because that will help McCord even more than it helps Stroud. Stroud didn't yeah. even need that. Stroud, Stroud can face third and 12 and beat you. You cannot let Ohio State churn out too many four, five, and six-yard gains on first down. It's something you just don't even think about that game because the D seemed to play so well, but they were always even with the chains, at least Ohio state. I'm not saying they were like, I do not not remember the first half going that way. So the second half, the first down, the first down of every, yeah, first down, every first down, they were 16 to 17. Yeah, no, I don't remember going that way, but uh, you know, Brian Hartline is in his first season as offensive coordinator at Ohio state. And I wonder if Ohio state fans are wondering just how good he is with a 35-point output in game two. And I think some- actually, Tim, if you ever paid attention, Ohio State fans, they're the uh, most reasonable and kind fans on the planet. I'm are like, they? Oh, wow. Yep, that, yep. that's wow. what I'm told. So. <laughs> well, that's good. That's good for uh, that's good for the media members that that are taking taking questions for uh, uh, for a podcast. Because I have to be frank, most of the questions that that we received uh, for today's podcast were. We're negative, and and I get it. Look, Central Michigan wasn't a perfect performance by Notre Dame, but uh, you know, I, I mean, I hate to keep bringing these things up, but Texas had a poor game last week, and so did Penn State, and so did Georgia, and so did like five top ten teams that should have blown teams out that didn't. So you do have those kind of games, and Notre Dame has to obviously play much better against Ohio State this Saturday, and I would dare say that Ohio State is going to have to play a lot better to beat. Uh, to beat a Notre Dame football team that it's played really good football most of the year. Whether you are attending Notre Dame games in person or watching from home, you have to look the part of an Irish fan. We've partnered with Home Field Apparel to get you looking like a true fan on game days. Home Field is a premium collegiate apparel brand based in Indianapolis. They emphasize their commitment to creating incredibly comfortable, officially licensed apparel with vintage, vintage college designs. Home Field Designs are super unique because they delve into the archives and history of each school, using unique logos, mascots, and iconic moments to create thoughtfully designed apparel. You can find them at homefieldapparel.com, where you can see their selection of colleges available. And guess what? Our listeners get 15% off their first order with the discount code Irish Illustrated. It's the perfect apparel for this football season, so check them out. Coming up, segment two, burning up the boards. If you're coming to a game this season, you have to check out Game Day Your Way, the official tailgate service provider of Notre Dame. Game Day Your Way offers everything you need, including tailgate gear, catering, and even beverage delivery right to your spot. And their Irish Express transportation from Chicago allows you to tailgate while you travel to their all-inclusive party zone in South Bend. Let Game Day deal with all the hassle so you can focus on the fun. For tailgates, tickets, transportation, and more, visit gamedayyourway.com. Some things are just made for each other, like tailgates and touchdowns. We're adding one more pair to the list, Aer Lingus and college football. Join us in Dublin this August for the Aer Lingus College Football Classic. Too soon? Plan your winter or spring break now with non-stop flights from cities including Chicago, Boston, Los Angeles and New York. Fly in comfort to Dublin, our European hub. Go coast to coast and discover the sights of Ireland or explore any of the 50 plus European cities we connect to, including Amsterdam, London, Paris and Rome. Visit aerlingus.com to book today. This is segment two. We call it burning up the boards, but first we have some breaking news. Tim Priester that we did not cover in segment one. 
quarterback of the future, 2025, Deuce Knight. Yeah, left-hander, a guy, a guy that uh, Tom Loy was adamant in sticking to him as being a... He sure uh, was. Yeah, to to uh, holding on to his uh, the crystal ball on on Deuce Knight, and Notre Dame has added him. Uh, ironically, during the press conference today with Marcus Freeman, a member of the uh, television media asked uh, about the new the news. He didn't mention Deuce Knight's name. He said you got uh, good news or something along. Yeah, those yeah. And Katie Lonergan from Notre Dame made sure that Marcus Freeman did not comment on that because that's not something that uh, that he should do. But left-handed quarterback, dynamic athlete. Notre Dame adds Deuce Knight to the class of 2025. And then, you know, the key to that is, don't you? Because they had CJ Carr in the class of 2024. And what we always say at Irish Illustrated, both. Always get both. Need them both. Needed 2026 Kenny will be just as important. I guarantee it. Yep. Needed Kenny Kenny Minchie in, uh, in 2023 also. No depth chart impact coming out because I do want to avoid being as sarcastic as humanly possible about a 2025 depth chart impact. So I will not do it. First question comes from ND025876. Could Blake Fisher's struggles be a function of Rocco Spindler's poor play? Fisher was much better last year with a better guard on his inside. Seems like the whole right side of the line is a major liability at this point, and I feel like Tim Priester may have brought something up along these lines about how the guards mattered last year in the summer. I just added that last part, too. <laughs> yeah, I, I wouldn't call the right side a major liability. Have there been poor plays by Blake Fisher and Rocco Spindler? Absolutely. Uh, Fisher doesn't necessarily look 100% healthy, but I thought that, you know, by and large, he has played decent football. The problem with Rocco Spindler is not as a run blocker. It's it's as a pass blocker. I think we knew that going into it. And to your point, Tim, uh, everybody wanted Josh Lug out of the lineup. You don't want Josh Lug out of the lineup when he's been in the program for six years. Did he make mistakes too? Absolutely. You know, Tim, I made a point. Like, for example, Quezzy Bristol, the defensive lineman oh, uh, yeah. yep. for Central Michigan, if he wouldn't if he wouldn't be starting at Notre Dame this year, he definitely would be in the rotation. Notre Dame snapped the ball 65 times Saturday. So let's say let's say Quezzy Bristol won 10 of his snaps, just 15 percent. That would make Notre Dame's offensive lineman look bad at times. Okay. Sure, and, that's, sure. and that's what happened because that's a player that's good enough. Why he's not in a pyre on a power five team this year, I don't know, but he wanted, I apparently wanted to stick with central Michigan. He clearly could have gone to a power five school. Uh, but, but that's just my whole point. Offensive linemen aren't going to win every rep, every rep they take, even against central Michigan, because sometimes they have players, they have good linebackers. Moretti was a guy that was blitzing the line consistently on, on rundowns. And so you're going to have that, but I, you know, I, is let's say Fisher's poor play is happening in pass protection. That could possibly be a result of trying to compensate a little bit for Spindler as a pass blocker, but as a run blocker, I think Spindler has been good. I thought he was good Saturday. I thought Coogan was, was good Saturday. Uh, Audric estimate wasn't running people over all the time. A lot of times he was running down a, an empty highway. And so he was getting some good blocking. Yeah. It's tough to, um, great an offensive lineman watching it live and getting mad when you see him make a mistake because that's probably not the appropriate grade i mean rocco spindler made a mistake that we will remember from the central michigan game when the season ends but that doesn't yeah. mean everything went wrong for rocco spindler it's and and i i joke about this but we're always looking to replace rocco spindler or, or replace somebody that rocco spindler's first of all rocco spindler is supposed to replace everybody for two years now we're looking to replace rocco spindler <laughs> i think what they have to do is get rocco spindler better yeah, and I did point out that, and remember before pregame, I said Billy Strauss is working at right guard, not left guard. So maybe that's a sign that, hey, we need to get him up to speed if Spindler can't be better as a pass blocker. But that's just my pure speculation. I think considering where Spindler was and what he's done in four full games and Pat Coogan, they're playing pretty good football for young offensive guards. Are they perfect? Absolutely not. Are they going to face a challenge this weekend? That's way greater than anything that they have. There's no doubt about that. This Ohio State defensive line is very, very formidable. No doubt. The, the right side of Notre Dame's offensive line has to play much better against Ohio State, I, or I, any prediction of Ohio of Ohio of Notre Dame winning is, is can't happen. They have to play the, better. The the matchup of Fisher versus Tui 
number 44, I will have it by weekend's time. That's not a good matchup for Notre Dame. That's a scary one. That's just reality. That actually ties into our next question a little bit. Irish from A2. Which of these matchups worries you most about Ohio State? ND's D-line versus Ohio State's O-line. ND's receivers versus Ohio State's defensive backs. ND's defensive backs versus Ohio State's receivers. Or he brings a full circle. The Irish O-line versus the Ohio State D-line. I mean, for me, I got—I don't worry about it the most, but it's so important because they—they they have to play well. Andy's defensive backs have to play well against Ohio State's wide receivers because Andy has really good defensive backs that we believe can make a difference. And now this is the toughest test. I mean, these receivers—this is a different world than they've seen than Andy's defensive backs have seen since last. No, ever because only Benjamin Morrison and Jaden Mickey played against USC last year. Yeah, I look. I, it's I, it's difficult for me to pick. I think Indy's receivers versus Ohio State's defensive backs. Nordame has Sam Hartman. Uh, Nordame's offensive line versus Ohio State's D line. Nordame has Sam Hartman. <laughs> um, you know, Nordame's defensive line versus Ohio State's offensive line. I Ohio State's offensive line has not hit its stride. I I, I know that for a fact, but their running backs. Henderson, Williams, and Trainum are yeah really really good. They're large. I don't when Henderson gets on the edge, it's concerning. Um, you know these are all Dorney's receivers against the Ohio State's defensive backs. I think I think Sam Hartman's going to. I'm okay with that one because you that. yeah I'm okay with that one because you have Hartman and you can game plan your way out of that. You can't game plan a whole heck of a lot of when it's O line versus D line, D line versus O line. I mean, you're either going to do it, or you're going to get whipped, or you're not. How about Notre Dame secondary against their quarterback? Yeah, that again, now, CJ Stroud's not there to uh, to put right. the ball on the back shoulder right. perfectly. So, all the time. I mean, those are those are questionable matchups for Notre Dame, but I like the ones that involve Sam Hartman. Um, you know, I. I do worry a little bit about Ohio State's offensive line's ability to just kind of wash out Notre Dame's defensive front. Mm-hmm. You know, they all they all kind of slant together, and they have the ability. They're not huge, uh, and 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 they're not completely proven, but they kind of have that ability to. You can see them washing out a, yeah, you know, a a, a Botello and a Mills. I don't know. Oh man, it's a tough matchup. I'm sure that Ohio State's sitting around. It is uh, why they're favored. Ohio State, they're good. Yeah, they are favored on the road. They are favored on the road. And I just uh, the the get off of their offensive linemen, of their defensive line, and I I meant to say linemen. The the get off of their defensive line is at another level from what we're seeing pretty much across the country. Yeah, that's that's a tough test. And the problem is uh we would have thought preseason it would not be a terrible matchup for Fisher, where it feels like a terrible matchup for Fisher at this point. If terrible might be over city, it feels like an incredibly challenging, difficult matchup for Fisher that if he wins, you'll say that's the Blake Fisher. I hope we would see this year. And it's game five against the toughest pass rusher he'll face. Tui Moloau is just a, <laughs> he is a handful and the push that their defensive line Nordheim's going to have to, they're going to have to play stout along the offensive line because the push that Ohio State's defensive line that I've seen through the first three games is, it's impressive. Uh, it, you know, it's impressive. Mike Hall Jr. played well against Nordheim last year. Yeah. Uh, they don't have Jean Baptiste coming off the bench, but they are, they are, they are deep. They play a lot of defensive linemen like Notre Dame, and their backups are, are, are further along than Nordheim's backups, certainly. Well, Tim, you're just a hater, so I'm going to move on right now. You pointed out good things from a top five team. Air Pirate 73, since Sam Hartman has 13 touchdown passes and zero interceptions, are you going to reassess your opinion of Hartman's proclivity to throw interceptions? And I bet you Air Pirate enjoyed typing that one because it sounds funny. <laughs> just when you looked at it. <laughs> well, it still stands that he threw 25, I think 25 interceptions in the previous two years, but he's sharp now, man. I mean, he is accurate and he's doing it without a great receiving core. And so, um, yeah, his proclivities to throw interceptions appear to be from the past, although I guess there's been a couple that could have been picked already this thus far. 
more likely to be picked this year, especially with that defensive line putting pressure on him. But, um, yeah, should be 14 touchdown passes. He missed Jaden Thomas yeah. on what should have uh, been Jaden Thomas made a great play, yeah. Yeah, Jaden Thomas made a great play to catch it, but that should have been an easy uh, catch and score. So it should be 14. But, uh, yeah, he's been better. I mean, he's more accurate. And, again, he's doing it without a great receiving uh, to uh, uh, whiteout court. CMU Penns fan, while it is still Ohio State, do you think Notre Dame will benefit from playing a, a more traditional quarterback for the first time this year and not have to worry about gimmicks and scrambling as much? Uh, yes, if Kyle McCord stays a quarterback. Devin, Devin Brown is not a conventional, traditional quarterback, uh, right on down to his number 33. He can run it. Um, he is not... <laughs> You know, both of those quarterbacks have struggled with accuracy. There's no yeah. doubt about that. Devin Brown has looked really impressive, and then he's airmailed some throws that have been way, way off target. Much more of a running threat, although McCord is capable of running, but I wouldn't call him a running quarterback per se. But yeah, you'd like to. What you'd like to do is pin Kyle, Kyle McCord amidst your pass rush and make him throw with people around him Notre Dame Notre Dame can turn the ball over through the air if they can do that it's such an interesting question because even if it's not Ohio State's wide receivers while I agree that this is not good not to have to worry about the gimmicks and scrambling and spying and all that he is still the best quarterback Notre Dame has faced this year I think Uh, he's better than Brendan Armstrong right now as a passer I I mean, he is better as a passer. I think he's already better as a passer than Brennan Armstrong. Are you thinking that Armstrong's ability to run makes him a better – if Brennan Armstrong was on Ohio State, he'd be a bigger problem than Kyle McCord? Think of, speaking of things that will never happen, like just – here's a June hypothetical for you, Tim. If Brennan Armstrong was on Ohio State, would that be a bigger problem? Probably. I don't want to undervalue McCord. So Probably because he could, he could run it better. And frankly, Armstrong – I guess they're wide open if he's running the way he runs, huh? Those receivers. Yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway, Notre Dame has Notre Dame absolutely has a chance to turn the ball over uh, defensively in the passing game. They're going to need a pass rush. It's probably going to require, once again, a little bit of help from the linebackers to put put pressure on, which means, which means then you're dealing in some one on one situations on the back end with. With Harrison, but I, again, I, Harrison and Abuka have shown have shown frustration yes. with the inaccuracy of the quarterbacks. And I want to say I think Julian Fleming is very underrated because of Harrison and Abuka. That I did ask our uh, I did ask our Ohio State insiders about Fleming specifically and some other guys to to we know all about Harrison, of course. Um, but I want to flip this really what real fast one more time. Please you could do. like note you could like Notre Dame's receiving core against Ohio State's secondary because of Sam Hartman. I can like Kyle McCord versus Notre Dame's pass defense because of the wide receivers. Like it's it's a ma- it, it, it's still the the key to his question is it is still Ohio State. You're still facing Ohio State's passing attack that is t- more difficult to it than anything else Notre Dame has come close to facing. That's why I said uh, on instant analysis they cannot finish number one in pass efficiency defense at the end of this week. They could finish number five, and that'd be awesome. It'd still be – they would win the game. They could win the game, but that's that's a function of who they've played. Yeah, and it, I, I didn't even mention Cade Stover, their tight end, who's yeah. a really, really good football player. So, you know, they have they have weapons in the, in the passing game. And any – you know, I want to – I mean, I'm 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 in likely – I am inclined to pick Notre Dame to win this game. You're at home. You have I Sam Hartman. them in the offseason. I, I don't see yeah, a reason to I mean, change it yet. Yeah. I, you know, and so I mean, I'm going to point out all the all the things that are dangerous about Ohio State because they're Ohio State for crying out loud. But Notre Dame at night with Sam Hartman, and I can go through the assets that I think Notre Dame has with their running backs. They they could win this game, and frankly, at home at night they should win this game. The environment that Nord, that Notre Dame Stadium is going to uh, create on uh, or Notre Dame fans are going to create in Notre Dame Stadium Saturday night. Notre Dame should win this game, even though I think when you add up all of the assets, Ohio State's still Ohio State. 
Jim underscore Booney CRS. Watching the game, this is the Central Michigan game we weren't going to talk about again. It seemed to me that Notre Dame's percentage of run plays that got stuffed at the line or behind was much higher than CMU's. Overall, it didn't matter because Notre Dame broke several 15-yard runs. What did you think the main reason for, for Notre Dame consistently giving up four to eight yard runs against a weak opponent like CMU was? Is there a fix for Ohio State? Uh, I like the running backs. I think Central Michigan's running backs could play at a higher level as well. Um, Bertrand being out really hurt. I think, and so. I think, I think Notre, Notre Dame didn't tackle well, and they didn't play one of their better defensive games. I don't think you tear up everything that you've you've planned for. I think I said this somewhere along the line. Um, it's still the same defense that did a great job against NC State. So I put as I put as much weight on what Notre Dame did against NC State going into this game as actually more than the way they played against Central Michigan. They, yeah. not, Notre Dame's not a bad defense now. They didn't play particularly well against Central Michigan. You know, it's interesting because it felt it felt worse too watching it. Their rush efficiency was forty one point nine percent. Central Michigan um, until their last drive where the game was 41 to 17. Then it got a little higher. 4.8 yards per carry is more than you would think Central Michigan would get against Notre Dame. There was only two chunks in there, 25 and 19. Um, there were two others. This is, this matters. There's two games that gained 25 yards on second and 22 and third and 19 punting situations. So there's that adds up. That was uh, that's know, true. That's true. Know, um, the first drive, I completely agree with the question. I mean, because they were gains of like five, nine, eight, six, and a six-yard touchdown. We're like, what? This is easier than it should ever be. Yeah. I felt like the swing pass loosened things up nicely for them, about 15-yarder. I just feel like people are overvaluing about 10 rushes by Central Michigan in that game. They they were I think their coach, I think McElvain did a great job in keeping them in the game as long as he did, because he was determined to run the ball, to keep them. That was the way they could do it. He did not, they didn't make mistakes in the passing game because they don't have a good enough passing game and Notre Dame is a good pass defense. And remember we talked when they were punting, it was a two score game and they punted and we we're like, ah, Notre Dame can go down and score. I was like, you know what? Your only hope is that they don't. You gotta, you can't give the ball to Notre Dame at the 46 yard line. You have to try to win this game the right, way you're winning. Right, right. He did a good job. Um, If I'm, I know people get sick of hearing about rush efficiency, but rush efficiency measures what happens during the game? So they did not give up too many 48-yard runs because otherwise they would have been more efficient. You know, as it relates to that, I think they did benefit from Jace Bauer, who's more who he played yeah. a he played a really solid game for them. He didn't I thought so too. He didn't turn it over and he did a nice job. Whereas I think Bert Emanuel Jr. would have been inclined. And remember, I we we picked, we predicted a couple interceptions, and I think he would have done that. In in relation to the start of the question. Uh, I, it goes back to what I said in segment one. They were they were they ran a lot of run blitzes to uh, you know <clears throat> the old too many hats in the box. It it did apply on occasion, yep, yep. but the flip side is they said okay, beat go ahead, then beat us downfield, and that's exactly what Sam Hartman did. So ultimately, Notre Dame ended up rushing for six point two yards per carry. Is that what yes. it was, Tim? Yes, six point three yards, uh, six point three yards per carry, and. A very big running day. Her name almost had 600 yards total offense. Years and years ago, when they played Ohio State in the Fiesta Bowl, I'm not talking, I'm talking 2015. I remember Notre Dame had a lot of run stuffs against against them, against good teams like Clemson that season. So I looked at Ohio State because they obviously had Ezekiel Elliott and an amazing offense. They played a game against IU, and IU was pretty good. It was a close game. Um, Ezekiel Elliott ran for like 220 yards. They had... They were stuffed on about 27 runs, Ohio State, because IU was selling out, trying to make sure that's you have to sell out to win. And then when they didn't sell out, Ezekiel, or when they sold out and missed, Ezekiel Elliott gained 60 yards. Audric yeah. Estime is doing that to everybody right now. Well, everybody can, you know, we can talk about five-headed monster and how good Estime is, which he is, and the, the future of, of Notre Dame's other running backs, et cetera. Henderson Williams, Trainum is superior to Notre Dame's running back core because of their experience. Train him is a he's a he is an established running back that came from Arizona State. They have three established running backs and Henderson is absolutely outstanding. He's got a little bit more length than than Estime. When he gets to the edge, he's tough. This is going to be a really difficult game for Notre Dame's run defense. 
Williams had a really good game against Notre Dame last year. Actually, yes, probably, better than, probably better than Henderson. Uh, yeah. Though I did ask their insiders. I haven't seen the answer yet. Um, I mean, Henderson was the best, one of the best rookies other than Claret in the history of Ohio State. And yeah. then he was last year, he was kind of really very nice and good. And I'm wondering if he's getting the old Jerry Seinfeld reference, really very nice and good. How's her hair? Um, I'm just not sure. Is he back to being, I, I want to ask them what happened there. There's nothing wrong with the guy last year, but it was he, not. Well, he was he was banged, he was banged up. up. Yeah. No, he was banged up. He does not look banged up now. He looks, no, he he not, looks he really, not. really good. In fact, Trano's been getting more more carries than Williams, so I don't know. I don't know if Williams is a little banged up too. But th- look, there we're not. There are no easy answers here. Notre Dame's playing Ohio State. There are no easy answers for Ohio State. They're playing Notre Dame. It's big on big Saturday night. So we're going. We're going to. We're going to find out just how legit some of these perceived shortcomings are for Notre Dame, as well as Ohio State. Question from Murphy three twenty four: What is your take on Ohio State defensive coordinator Jim Knowles? Challenge of the game here, right? Uh, Jared Parker, 60 minutes against Jim Knowles because Parker has been able to adjust. Parker, obviously, we just talked about NC State was that has been the highlight of his young coordinating career. And I'm going back to previous stuff. That was an excellent job by Jared Parker finding a way to move the ball in that defense. This is a tough this this Jim Knowles is is going to have something for Jared Parker, and this is where the inexperience comes in. We used to talk about Marcus Freeman last year. Can't be his best year as a coordinator. I mean, as a head coach, this can't be Jared Parker's best game as a coordinator in his life. Probably game number five against Jim Knowles. What can he, what can he pull out that has an answer that, and and what can he pull out that Jim Knowles isn't going to be prepared for? Yeah. And you know, like we talked about El Golden's second year at Notre Dame and how important that is. Jim Knowles is second year at Ohio state. And I know a lot of Ohio state people were wondering last year, Hey, what's the deal with this guy? You know, they weren't as consistent, as effective as they normally had been. He runs the three, three, five, which has been, which gives people headaches. It didn't give Notre Dame headaches when he was still at Oklahoma state. Well, actually he wasn't the coordinator. He wasn't, that he wasn't there, yeah. but it was still there. It was still that defense. Uh, I continue to make that mistake, Tim. I keep saying that he was at. That's a game you don't need to talk about anymore either. You could yeah, not well, make that mistake by no, not referencing no, that true. game. But anyway, the point being second time through, and I would imagine their defense is, is uh, you know, is is uh, a, a lot further ahead than they were. And I want to, you know, when we bring up J.D. Bertrand being out of the lineup and stuff like that, it's just J.D. Bertrand. When, you know, if, if let's say Tommy Eichenberg didn't play this week, you know that I mean that makes a huge difference for any defense. Not that I don't think he's hurt or anything, but you know it's though it's those kind of things. But second time through with Jim Knowles, he's a good defensive coordinator. Um, he's been good pretty much every stop here recently, and it makes it that much more challenging because his personnel knows exactly what he's looking for. Next question from Matthew J. Bowles. Not sure if he's related to the great Tony Bowles of Michigan fame. Remember him, Tim. Does Notre Dame have a problem with committing penalties that will be ongoing this season or are the last two officiating crews to blame? Good question. I got to go back on the soapbox about these two, these two crews, the last two games can't spot the football. I know that. So maybe they're bad everywhere else too. This one, the last one couldn't either. No, this was obvious at NC state. Yeah. Yeah. But the one against central Michigan did too. I like, uh, too many penalties, uh, you know, Marcus, for, I, I probably should have gone through all the penalties to see what they are, like a tail of the tape kind of thing. I do. I do know what Marcus Freeman said today about Josh Burnham's late hit was absolutely true. He yeah. was he had a great pass rush. He was beyond Jace uh, Bauer and and had gotten knocked down. And so when he got up, all he, he saw Bauer in his face. So he just or not in his face, but he saw the backside of him and hit him and he had no realization that the ball was gone. So that's one example of of you know you can't help that one. But right, right. I got him for you here. 18 penalties the- are too many, but I, I don't know I don't know that we can say this is a pattern other than two it's games. Two game unfortunate. 18 is a lot. That's, 18's a lot in two games, man. All right. So roughing the roughing the passer on Burnham, roughing the passer on Mills, which was roughing the passer. Which was a bad yeah. play by Mills. Yep. Pass interference on Mickey, which I feel 
just is the it's the call that's angered fans of the team to get called on for the last 30 years of watching football because every time a receiver trips they love to call it um i think the offsides on k at the one yard line is absolutely fine except he made the tackle that would have been nice but when it's second and goal at the one you're firing off it's okay because they gain a half an inch that's really not that big of a penalty situation it's not an automatic I first down when that cross or was this a late oh one? yeah it was cross k and i and i made the yeah. play so he wiped out his play uh we have a holding on a 72 yard hold on holding stays that's a bad one uh you had yeah. the hold on fisher right early on and yeah, yeah it was not a play that was a great play made anyway you had a hold on Spindler turned down. That was a bad hold too. I mean, a bad that was that was holding was bad enough and ineffective oh, enough when, where they didn't need when it. Hartman, when Hartman got hurt, ish was purposely yes targeted injured. to get yes when yes. they were, when they tried to injure Hartman. Uh, yeah, that was, was that, that was a bad one. He uh, I I think he kind of scraped off one block and was back on his. That's I think that's part of the problem with. Rocco Spindler that as a pass blocker he gets back on his heels a little bit sometimes. Coogan held, he did hold on that. Yep. That did that yep. kind of killed off that drive. And then the last one with the kick out of bounds, we're gonna live with Spencer Schrader kicking one out of bounds because he's at a good the one at the one yard line. Yeah. So it's like it's too many. Nobody's making excuses, but I don't think we should conclude that that Notre Dame has a penalty problem on the season. I think they had a penalty problem in the last two games. I'll be really surprised. I'll be more surprised if Notre Dame commits 10 penalties versus Ohio state than five. That's the I, easiest way to answer the question. Yeah. Perhaps. No, I would agree with that. Chad Flanagan asks, why have we not seen more back shoulder fades on 50, 50 balls thrown the first four weeks seem to be a good time to see Notre Dame, uh, to see if Notre Dame had someone who could go up and win these and develop some confidence. I can tell we can tell you from the practice field that Tobias Merriweather is not a good back shoulder candidate. Yeah, throwing um, Merriweather open has been the look is obviously right now the key to Merriweather. I think they're doing that. I think they threw Flores open. He's thrown Jaden Thomas open. Uh, the best 50 50 ball guy, and it has I haven't seen it in a long time, but it was back in the Deion Colsey was pretty good at 50 50 balls when he was younger. Oh, I haven't he, seen a lot yeah. of it. Um, he just doesn't get he's not targeted much. He's I think Jaden Greathouse good. could Jaden Greathouse could be a good 50-50. Well, Jaden Thomas is too, but we saw a few during preseason that weren't very effective. I hopefully, would say Thomas is, is the best. Well, hopefully Benjamin Morrison's the reason he wasn't effective because he's yeah, going well, to do that on, uh, on Saturday. Jaden Greathouse obviously will be if he is not yet, but I don't know that this is, you know, I talked and talked and talked about, about Sam Hartman, how great he was back shoulder at, at Wake Forest. And now you look at this receiving core, and I'm not sure that that's a strength. It should still be for Jaden Thomas, but we haven't seen it. I know it. I, when they didn't throw to the tight ends, they needed to do that more. When, when they didn't throw yeah. the deep ball, they needed to do that more. Now they've done that. They throw to the running backs. It's very difficult to incorporate all of them in one game. But note, noteworthy since we talked so much about back shoulders, and they really haven't done a lot of it. Yeah, it's a great question, but I think he might have answered it, Chad Flanagan. These first four weeks seemed like a good time. I think they used the four weeks of training camp to make sure if it was a good time or not. Because yeah, you know what? Chris so Chris Tyree is not a guy. Chris Tyree is not a guy for that. When, when healthy Salerno was not a guy for that. I haven't seen Rico Flores necessarily do that in camp. Uh, you mentioned Tobias Merriweather was not successful in that in camp. This There might be your answer. What we reported in camp is coming true on this case, Tim. DW stall 81 thoughts on the tackling issue. The C defense seems to have, we've walked on that already. I think they'll tackle well in this game. That doesn't mean they won't have missed tackles because Ohio state is a bunch of pros. Yeah, this, this is a very difficult running back quarter tackle, man. Uh, and receivers in the open field. Receivers oh my God. Are, Anderson's yeah. 216 plays bigger than that. Mayan Williams is 226. Wait, no, uh, 212 is what Henderson is. 216 is Mayan Williams, and Tranum is 233. This is going to be a very difficult, under any circumstances, it'll be a difficult running back quarter tackle. You know what the key is for me, I think, to change it from last year? I think they tackled pretty well last year, obviously, Notre Dame in this game. they had, Ohio State did the Navy thing BK used to talk about, where they actually won the hit, the hit though. They went forward on the hits. Yeah. yeah. Now, that's... You could settle for that if you're Notre Dame, if you have to as a Notre Dame fan, because you make the tackle on the spot. But I, I do think they won that they won that drive for the extra yard. And 
hey, you got to drive for an extra yards fine against Ohio State. You can't have the shake and bake for an extra 76 yards. Those are the problems. Right. We're going to skip that next question, right, Tim, and save that for Thursday. Yeah, that's a good one for Thursday. Okay. We have a question from Go Fight Win Go Irish. Has Chris Tyree's success at the uh, at the move to whiteout in such a short t- period of time been one of the biggest surprises this year through four games? I think it's great he's had one every game. That that surprises me a little bit. Uh, if he keeps it up, that's a great that's a great season. Didn't we say that after game one? If he does this for 12 straight games, this is yep. an absolutely perfect yep. season for him. He needs one more against Ohio State, USC, all the way yes. through. Yes. I never thought uh, Chris Tyree would be like the key to the offense, and I still don't think he is. But if he makes 12 big plays... <clears throat> and four more of them aren't against Stanford. I am down for Chris Tyree doing what he's doing for Notre well, Dame right now. He is a more, more productive football player as a catcher of passes. Yeah. Than he than he was as a running back. It's great. They obviously needed it. Uh, we talked. I wrote about. It. We talked about it in instant analysis after the game. The play that he made against Central Michigan is extremely difficult for a guy that has been a running back his whole life. It's yes. over the shoulder. It's kind of by him. He's running full tilt. He has to stretch out, make the grab, hold on, and then get get back into stride. And he did all of those things. And again, everybody, everybody around the program that knows Chris Tyree is thrilled that he's found a home, found a a legitimate, big time, important role for them. And yeah, I am surprised that he's as good at it as he has been up to this point. Now let's see if he can do it against real quality competition coming up. Yeah. Uh, I'm surprised he hasn't had a little bit more um, jet sweep or find, get a ball, get him the ball impact at full speed, but this is probably not the week to try out necessarily either. Cause there's fast guys on the other side. Anon two, seven, six, two, nine, four, one underscore scout. He needs a new name to be on this podcast again. What <laughs> is Notre Dame's biggest mismatch? It can exploit against Ohio state. He thinks that Holden stays can have a day against their linebackers. You know, I, 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 although I do like their linebackers, I think Holden stays is a problem for just about anybody that Notre Dame plays. And I think you're going to have to continue to emphasize him on a weekly basis. He was targeted twice against Central Michigan. He caught one for four yards, but it was a touchdown. I think it's important that you get Mitchell Evans back on the field, just the threat of him. Uh, again, Marcus Freeman talking about how, no, not Marcus Freeman. Who was it? Oh, Jared Jared yep, yeah, Jared talking about talking about how great Mitchell Evans is on run fits as a blocker. I don't know that. Help me out here, Tim. I don't know that there are too many things that I would call a mismatch for Notre Dame against Ohio State. No, I just think good football is the thing here. I don't, I don't, I don't necessarily agree with Holden stays against their linebackers being amazing. Yeah, their linebackers, are, yeah, their linebackers are pretty. I, you know, Eichenberg. I think now, they, hey, they blitz. Eichenberg blitzes a lot. If you think Notre Dame blitzed a lot with their linebackers against Tennessee State, maybe that was a little bit more than Ohio State. But Ohio State, I, I know Notre Dame fans don't like it. When, when Notre Dame brings safety blitzes, Ohio State will. Sonny Styles will definitely blitz a lot. He's a bit of a weapon. It's hard for me, though, to say mismatch against Ohio State. Notre Dame needs to win some some you know even matchups. Uh, yes, to win good, this football game. The good news is, um, on the flip side, I wouldn't. I mean, because it's not a mismatch. Ohio State's got the best duo of wide receivers playing together in the country. But I really like Benjamin Morrison and Cam Hart. It's not a mismatch. You can't say they're better than Ohio State's wide receivers in that situation. They just got to win the day in that in that matchup, right? Set up. I got. I have one player to throw out: Lathan okay. Ransom, number eight, a safety. Mm-hmm. Um can be a little bit, I, I wrote down lost in space, can be a little bit lost in space. Let's get Holden stays on that. That's a good situation. Sometimes. So if you can get that kind of matchup, look, Lathan Ransom still makes plays. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and he'll blitz too. I don't, you know, I don't, I don't see Jack Sawyer doing a, t- making a lot of plays for them at defensive end, but then they bring in, Caden Curry, they bring in Kenyatta Jackson. I would you're say Jack be... you're just not finding mismatches. Though. You just got to win your yeah, you battle. Yeah. Yep. It's hard for me to use the word mismatch uh, with them because look, they're good. I mean, they're look, we know how they recruit every year. I like uh, 
Igbenosin, the, their cornerback, number one. He's a good player. I, I've always read a lot of, of, of criticism of Denzel Burke. And then when I see him play, he's making plays all over the field. So I think I trust my eyes a little bit more than than, than some of the criticism. Uh, Josh Proctor, that's another safety. I think he comes off the bench a little bit more, number 41. Maybe their safeties, if you get the right kind of matchup, maybe their safeties are something that Nordin can take advantage of. Final question from Tom Mendoza. What was the last huge game that Notre Dame was in where it clearly had the better and more experienced quarterback? And I am going to go qualify huge game as in you need a top yeah, five, six I, opponent here. This not, is, this not, is no right Oklahoma up, State, none of that. Yeah, this is right up your alley. Who do, who do you have, Tim? I don't know because, first of all, you have to, <laughs> lim- you have to eliminate uh, 2007 through 2014 as a huge game plus having a better quarterback. That didn't happen. Um, Kaiser versus Deshaun Watson is not one. Uh, so that doesn't count, I don't think. So let's see here. You have to eliminate you had, you had 16 Brady through... Quinn. You eliminate 16 through 19. Um, I mean, Ian Book versus DJ was the better... That DJ was great that day. So going into that game, you had no faith necessarily in Book to be great. He had his best game. But I don't think... I just don't think that game counts. 21, you don't have... I mean, Jack Cohn wasn't better than Desmond. Yeah, you're you're the game. looking in the wrong era, man. You got to go back, don't you? Brady Quinn versus John David Booty, and they still got killed at USC. Does that count? No, it doesn't. You have to match him up against... Uh, he's going against? Well, that's not fair to Brady Quinn. <laughs> I, well, I know, but I, it, that's why it's a great question, Tom Mendoza. We appreciate your... All right, 06. John Brady Quinn was better than John David Booty. If they switched places, USC could have won the title that year instead of losing it by a game or whatever they did. <laughs> so that's a tough I, one. I don't, I, don't think, I don't think John David Booty... I don't think that's a, a fair enough comparison to... No, probably not. Uh, so you're looking at... <laughs> It's it's one. It's, I mean, not ninety three. Charlie Ward's uh, better than McDougal. I love McDougal. Charlie Ward. When you stump, when you stump Tim O'Malley, I'm not done yet. I'm going. I'm going through the decades here. <laughs> there's Rick Meyer. Rick Meyer. Somewhere in the Rick Meyer era, we have. Uh, there's an advantage. I'm proud of. Let's give a shout out to Rick. All right, we'll give a shout out to Rick. But he was. Gerbach was very by, good. Maybe we shouldn't say that. Gerbach was very. He good. was surrounded by a whole bunch of, of really really good football players that helped him. Um, so anyway, we'll uh, Tony Rice. Tony Rice. <laughs> maybe, yeah, maybe maybe some of our uh subscribers can pitch in and and uh, throw that on the, the message board at irishillustrated.com. So we're going to wrap up with that one. We'll be back on Thursday when we uh completely stop talking about Central Michigan and do nothing but talk about Notre Dame and Ohio State. We expect Pete Sampson to join us on Thursday for Irish Illustrated Insider. Tim? I bet you Pete's going to be surprised that John David Booty made this podcast. So that will be fun as well. I think he will be. Until next time, Tim O'Malley, Tim Priester, thank you for joining us on Irish Illustrated Insider.